All right, this is part two of the SeaTag pre-conference podcast with Brennan Hartford, Mark Anderson, Sean McKay, and we will be answering some email questions that we received, like what's up with the website and social media, uh, where you can find the new guidelines that have just been posted. We're also hitting on some topics out there that have been coming up more frequently on some of the departments, police departments out there that are moving away from actually teaching their officers any real simple treatment modalities like tourniquet application and etc and replacing it with just drags and carries so we're going to hit on some of our opinions on that one and we're also going to be talking about the stop the bleed versus first care provider versus all the other names that it goes by um so everybody will probably talk about this i'll try and rip through this real quick since uh mark felt obligated to take almost an hour up talking about a schedule so um that was incredible that was, that was a good job. Your voice is soothing. I'm pretty, yeah. sure, pretty sure that's what we agreed would be the objective. Yeah, but I know it's not going to be that for okay. now, but that was good. Um, so, uh, okay, so some questions that we hit on, and this will be for all participants on there. What's up with the website? So we uh, we don't have, no, nobody's paid at CTEC. Everybody is kind of slammed on the boards, and, and unfortunately Reed has taken a brunt of, uh, responsibility along with being the medical director for Arlington and all this other stuff um, so what we're looking at is is coming to a conclusion on what we're what we're going to be able to do besides website social media etc so that website uh, we're going to give a little bit of a, a revamping to uh, be able to post those critical things that are easy to download uh, including all the new guidelines and have them separated in there uh, social media is one of those things that I think Mark Anderson's going to be heading up for us because of his brilliance in that. Uh, <laughs> you have looked at and Googled things like the Twitter. The Twitter. The, uh, uh, so, I heard about this thing called the Twitter. So Mark in is the not, Instagram? Yeah, in the Instagram. Uh, Mark is not going to do anything with social media, but we will <laughs> find somebody, and we are going to um, probably recruit somebody that does a good job at it that may do other things like the Tampa Bay. <laughs> no, we're gonna we're definitely gonna call Eric Sutherland on that one. But so yeah, we're gonna do that social media to be able to keep these updates in a more real time fashion, be able to hook that up so it goes through Facebook and all that kind of stuff. So those are things that are being discussed. We'll probably have more beta uh, and fidelity for you after the meeting, and we can kind of talk about that <laughs> as it comes out. In the meantime, we'll probably put things on various things like we have before, which would be like the Medic 101 and on Element and things like that to to get that going. But soon after, we should be able to get some things going and be able to get people to, to be able to follow on Instagram and, and Facebook mm -hmm. and all that and be able to kind of stay in some a little bit more real-time stuff. And so we, even when we do post things on the website, we'll be able to knock that out to, to everybody through one of those social media platforms to kind of point you where the information is. Uh, thoughts on the departmental change. So this is kind of an interesting one that, that came out of... Uh, uh, state south of us here in the Carolinas where a department at an administrative level has decided to change their active shooter response for for their patrol officers kind of wondering what some of our feelings were on that uh, the change occurred by taking away a bunch of the medical training that they were getting and focusing on lifts and carries and taking out a lot of medical treatment including any of the bleeding airway and things like that as a way to be able to train people faster more effectively believing that by rapidly extracting them they can get them to medical personnel potentially to 
uh, save the life. Uh, so we'll open that one up real quick. It's funny how that's come full circle. You know, uh, couldn't get anybody to do anything for a while, and then we came up with all these cool things to do, and now we're back to some people not wanting to do anything and, and run people out. Uh, I am all about trauma moves to the rig, the rig moves to a trauma center. You know, you go, 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 go. Except when you shouldn't. You know, and, and if, if somebody's exsanguinating and there's something you can do about it, if you can put a limb tourniquet on or if you can take the few minutes that it's going to take to pack a junctional wound that's bleeding badly, and it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a suck fest. People are going to be screaming at you. We got to go. We got to go. We got to get this guy out of here. And you're going to be putting direct pressure on top of that wound pack job. And you're going to say, no, we got to wait. I got to put a, a solid three minutes on top of this thing. Otherwise, he's going to bleed out by the time we hit the front doors. Right. Uh, it, it's it's going to suck. Get other stuff done. Get everything else ready to go. Get the rig backed up. Get uh, 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 your escort officers ready to go. Get the guy into uh, uh, a transport tarp. Get uh, There's other shit you can be doing, man. But, uh, wow, that's... Uh, um, I guess I understand the mentality. I don't. Well, no, I, 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 I understand the mentality of go fast. Right. I dig the mentality of go fast. Yeah. But, uh, but it's not thought all the way through. Yeah. You. That's assuming you have all these other assumptions that are going to be there, which is medical people close by that you're not dragging a ways out to an uncoordinated link-up point, that you have assets available right there when you're receiving these people that have potentially a preventable cause of death. Um, it's it's environmental pathology, man, that we don't pay attention to. So you think just by moving somebody, you're going to save them. But in reality, how far are you going to move them? So you found them, and they're on the second floor of Virginia Tech. Right. What time does it take you to get them outside or to where the closest CCP or the closest medical asset is? And if they have something that they are dying of rapidly, uh, you're going to be dragging a dead person. Well, not only that, how long has it been since they were first shot? Yeah. The time, the clock starts ticking from That's the time the, they were wounded. Responders. Yeah, from time of call, time of wounding to time of call to turnout time to response time you to know. on scene time to putting together an RTF or, or if you're you're a, a, a police officer putting together a contact team, yep. making getting access, breaching, making entry, getting to that uh, casualty. Yep. You know, I, I'm going to steal a line from my partner at work. Mickey Mouse is not your friend. You know, once that person's wounded, clock's ticking. You know, and to be screwing around, I, I know some agencies that they haven't subscribed to the Rescue Task Force philosophy, which, you know, my opinion, it's not the perfect philosophy, but it's the one, the best one working right now. Um, they're sending in an engine company just to strictly extract people with skeds and stair chairs. Stair chairs. Stair chairs. The, the fast-moving stair chair. Exactly. Lightning speed. No medical providers. You might get a cross-trained firefighter as a paramedic, but as a whole, they're not sending in any medical providers to a large-scale mass casualty incident. So I, I think that, you know, we all do quite a bit of rescue and all, but, you know, we talk about this whether you're in an active shooter event or you're on an expedition mountain rescue or you're in a canyon rescue or whatever. You can be the baddest-ass medic. Mm-hmm. And without a rescue capability or an evacuation capability, your patient dies. Mm -hmm. um, and at the same point, you can be the baddest ass rescue technician, uh, evacuation guy, but without some simple medical capabilities, your patient dies. Mm -hmm. And so I think casualty management is, is that it's push forward is 
is you do what you need to do and I, I am not you know I'm a medic but I, I do not subscribe to the philosophy of bringing the ER to the patient I believe in those cases you do the bare minimum that keeps them alive for your evacuation technique um, because every medical technique that you do from the, maybe you can do chest tubes and maybe that guy may need one eventually but if he doesn't need it right now you it's sure not going to kill him right there because you're going to complicate and add complexity to your evacuation so right. how you package them and how you move them is going to be exponentially longer for every medical procedure that maybe not warranted at that specific time well so, and, and also along that same lines is that evacuation extraction gonna dislodge or interrupt or yeah you know mess up that intervention you just did right if you, and if you, now if you got to stop again fix if it you want to slip it to you know doing an innovation on some dude or mm -hmm. whatever because they're not maintaining the airway where technically you could just roll them on their side uh or almost face down on a foxtrot or, or mm -hmm. a skiko or something like that and maneuver them to keep an et tube out of them until you get and hand them off your extraction is going to be much easier than mm -hmm. buying a tube with somebody laying that's on the back. where the fast that you were just talking about subscribing to well, comes in you know what I, uh, the flip side of the coin that i i do dig not necessarily that whatever agency you're talking about is is being thoughtful about this i don't know but if somebody's got a hole in the box oh god the only thing you can do is apply diesel or jet fuel liberally right you know i don't, I don't care if that's you're the jet most, fuel not the anesthesia yeah, method yeah. That's jet fuel yeah. jet fuel yeah. yeah real jet fuel um so, man, I, I dig me some cops who recognize the fact that somebody is shot in the chest and they've got a decreased mental status and they appear just, <laughs> just their rough appearance is uh, that they are exsanguinating inside. This yeah, guy's got to go right I think, now. I think go, the box go, go. is that exception. You yeah. know, no one in the pre-hospital environment is going to be able to crack open a chest and, and, and do what they need to do. So that's exactly right. I think if you're in the box, then that, that may be the exception. But if you do have something, you know, uh, even though not as relevant on active shooter type of issues, but let's say we do have a, uh, something that you can throw a tourniquet on or something you can throw somebody on their side or do whatever right. and do something mindful, I think you've got to add a certain amount of medical into that as basic as it is. Uh, or your your drags and carries are going to be in vain potentially. Right, agreed. Right. Uh, the last one, man, is um, what's the deal about stop the bleed versus first care provider guidelines? The stop the bleed, stop the care. Stop the care. Too short. That's an interesting little. That's cute. I totally that is got cute. that. Stop yeah, the bleed, stop the care. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was nice. That's uh, cute. But uh, you're pretty uh, quick witted when you want to be. Yeah. Um, so does it uh, stop the care too fast? Uh, with going just to tourniquets on the Stop the Bleed campaign. Well, so this is probably uh, another podcast unto itself. But Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. And and I we think talked about it on We could really go down this rabbit some hole. Some stuff like that. But, yeah, and, and it, but I think that leads to the question of the paper that was published by Reed last year mm -hmm. on wounding patterns in active shooter incidents in the civilian world. Journal trauma. Right. I, I, I think there's some validity to that, that you know, Stop, stop the Bleed does stop the care and it needs to go further Absolutely. or at least it, at the very least we need to look at this more in depth from a civilian stamp injury standpoint and again get back to what we talked about earlier research we need more data i think the most important point here is that nobody that i know of is denying the fact that major bleeding control options are not critically important if you don't have a quality, data-proven uh, commercial limb tourniquet 
in your toolbox. You're wrong. And the year 2017, you are as wrong as you can be. Right. Uh, and, and you need to have several of them, and, and you need to have backup plans. Not just for active shooter, yeah. right? Absolutely. At all times, for, right? For well, everything. Statistically, I mean, we were talk- not for just active <clears throat> shooter. We were talking this up, you know, prior to the show. I know multiple guys that have, you know, saved people's lives, car accidents, you know, other types of uh, uh, bicycle accidents, falling off fence, you know, nothing related to penetrating trauma from a firearm, let alone an active shooter incident. Right. But I think if, if we look, I think the the paper that we're discussing, um, that I think was primarily that at GW, at George Washington, was... Mm-hmm. Um, yes, it was... Reed Smith, uh, Josh Shapiro, Babak Sarani, I think there may have been another collaborator, but uh, wounding patterns in public mass shootings. And uh, an enormously difficult paper to write because unlike the military community where can you all the casualties... What's that? I don't know if I was, can it with the copyright stuff. From the uh, it was published in Journal of Trauma, so I think uh, uh, Jay Trauma would need to authorize okay. uh, that, that kind of distribution. But certainly anybody uh, can uh, uh, do a PubMed search. Uh, and actually, uh, what we can do is we could probably post a, um, a link to uh, PubMed. Uh, well, the link to PubMed or, or the uh, uh, abstract. the abstract. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, absolutely worth reading. Yeah. And uh, if you know the guys, who, all three of us know these guys well who wrote it. Uh, it was an ass kicker of a paper to write because unlike the military community, where every casualty has all of their interventions left in place and their TCCC card is zipped into their body bag and they're carried off of a tailgate at Dover Air Force Base and they get a uh, an autopsy and all of the interventions and the cause of death and the wounding patterns all get put into the, uh, the Joint Trauma Registry. Uh, we don't have that in the civilian world. Right. And getting data from different jurisdictions was nightmarishly difficult for these guys. But uh, uh, I think if you read the paper, you will know, and they'll be the first ones to admit, more study needs to be done. Uh, you know, more information needs to be gathered. We just need to figure out how to gather it. Right. But the, the gist of it is, in, in civilian public mass shootings, shooters are walking right up to the victims, and they're center punching them multiple times in the chest and the head. And, uh, you know, you can have a, a rucksack full of limb tourniquets. That ain't going to save their life. You... you, you. You, when you read that paper, I think you, you, people need to keep it in context, but it, it gets to the point now where everybody believes, man, if I carry a lot of tourniquets with me, that's what I need in an active shooter, right? Mm-hmm. I, need a, I need that hemorrhage control. And when we look at it, that's, that's the easy button. But I think the part that brings true out of that paper is a couple points. And one is the, those are, the, the military TC3 data is a special population unto itself. They have done an unbelievable job at dictating Phenomenal. the treatment modalities in combat. And it's not just combat, it's not just the weapon systems. Although when we look at Holcomb's paper and things like this, we see numbers in excess of 64% of injuries coming from ground level IEDs, which give a certain wounding pattern that, that we have not seen yet. And the civilian side, uh, outside of a, to a certain extent with, with Boston. But when we look at that and GSWs and things that are prevalent in our active shooters, is, is there are a couple things. We do not roll around, nor do uh, our kids in school, or when we go to the movies in level four body armor with uh, Kevlar helmets. Mm-hmm. And, and that completely changes the wounding patterns. When we look at Virginia Tech, 
um, we look at 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 we look at any of these shootings, those are not a part of that equation, and which is big. The other part of it is is I think in that paper, if I'm not mistaken, it was a uh, gunshot wounds were typically from 25 to 35 meters. Right. Uh, when we look at the school shootings that we've done, those are in a very small classroom, uh, less than 12 feet. Right. Um, typically from there, we have. Um, so many other variables that that aren't in TC3, and they did a great job because they moved away. If you guys remember, all the early TC3 is they created it because the civilian side did not meet their parameters whatsoever, and they built theirs off of them. And that's the road ahead, I think, for CTEC is is obviously we aren't just like TC3 identified clearly is they are not us, we are not them, so we can't move those those studies and all into our environment. If you look at you know even on the Hartford Consensus and things like that, all you know, 12 of those 13 reference points are from GWAT data. That GWAT data ends, right, the, those people that they're looking at are all wearing level four body armor. Most of them are conventional unit member or conventional members of uh, forces, which are dictated. Like you go through, your guns are in the same place. You are wearing this, you are wearing that. That is very highly specialized compared to what maybe the, their soft counterparts are, are able to do as far as tweaking their equipment. But it is that you are wearing this, you are wearing that, you are wearing this, your gun is like this, this is this. And one, we don't, we don't have that. Um, two, even within the, and you and I were talking about this, Brendan, before, is can we take the data from TC3 and even put it into law enforcement because, oh, wait, law enforcement wears some body armor. But we really can't because right. if you look at law enforcement, what patrol officer is wearing plates and a Kevlar helmet to do a traffic stop? Um, so if I shoot a 5.56 five, at, a, at a patrol officer, it's going through his level 2. Right, it's going to go right through his soft body armor. It's soft body armor. And, but it's not even there. And so now we're going to do it. The one thing that TC3 data doesn't give you nor should it give you because it's it's not relevant for them i mean they are a completely different animal than what we deal with is oh yeah he did get shot or we did they did put a tourniquet on this which saved his life but it doesn't say oh by the way his plates caught four four rounds that would have gone right through his heart right that's a good point right and right. so that, that data doesn't exist because his pp protected him the injury that he did get was was here we're in the civilian side like we said not to rehab it but the, the injury patterns are completely different because of the lack of PPE. It's like saying, hey, let's compare fire deaths. And we try and compare civilian fire deaths to firefighter getting burned. Right. Yet a firefighter is going in in full PPE with an SCBA and bunker gear. Right. And we're trying to compare that data to the, the guy who's sleeping in his underwear upstairs and be like, man, I don't understand. We should be able to do the same burn treatment, I guess. Huh? And uh, you're like, wait a second, man. Like, yeah, <coughs> was that the product of your Southern education? Company? It was a product of my Southern education. That's fine. You can mock that. It doesn't matter. You and Mark can it's, team up and you can start dating well. each other and maybe you can wear each other's rings on your necks, but whatever. It's hurtful. Uh, the Leonard Skinner man, Southern man don't need you around anyhow. But uh, that being said, uh, it, it, when we're comparing, we need to compare apples to apples. Right. And you know, I will give all credit in the world. TC3 did an unbelievable job at being able to do that based on what their parameters, their population, healthy healthy uh, adults within a physical parameter that met their, their physicals and their health requirements. And we do not have that on, right. on the side of a 
people going into a school. Right. We're not wearing body armor. We've got different uh, mechanisms of injury. We do not have the 60 plus percent of IEDs uh, and and other injuries that they're getting outside of just DSW. So existing um, medical problems. Yeah, exactly. So when when we're looking at that, I think that that that's the thing in front of us uh, that we got to look at, and we need to take the same approach TC3 did and identify that there are huge variables in ours that does not exist in TC3 data and military data. Right. Um, they are a special population, which they did a phenomenal job at addressing their special population, and we need to turn around and do the same uh, equivalency for ours because our environment is so drastically different than, than what's described in TC3 data and really stop the bleed for that matter. Right. Agreed. So if you're listening to this and you, uh, you happen to be a state legislator, well, let's say what are the odds if you're still listening, listening to if this. If you're still listening to this after an hour, I'll make this a two-parter. <laughs> uh, you're um, and, and you've got any pull uh, within your state bureaucracy? Uh, as I said, uh, Smith, Shapiro, Babani, at uh, all, uh, they had a hell of a time gathering this data because of parochial. Um, that's a great use of parochial. Yeah, like that. Big word. That's that probably a big, big word. That's the biggest word in a podcast. That's like four syllables. Wasn't that a Disney uh, movie? Um, I want to be a boy when I grow up. I want to be a real boy. <laughs> um, I want to be Sean McKay when I grow up. That's hurtful. But man, if they uh, if if something could be done to help us gather this data, it needs to be done. And I I'm not holding my breath because every state and every county and every jurisdiction uh, is going to want to hold on to this data and there will be ongoing criminal investigations and I'm looking at the cop across the table here and he understands that you know getting police agencies to let go of that data is going to be tough yeah and, and, and I think you know we have we have our immediate goals as a committee to tackle and, and we have many of them but I, I think that is one of our probably more important if not the most important long-term goal to try and accomplish something in is the gathering of of the data uh, for, for pertinent data for our right and i think and i think problems. evaluation of data is a huge one uh, a lot of people want to jump on this train or that train or you know it's stop the bleed it's stop the bleed but you know what i'd say is you know when people look at that paper um that mark just referenced and they're like oh there's some holes in it what i would challenge people to do is turn around and look at the data that's used for stop the bleed mm -hmm. and find out what relevancy does that have to any instance ever in a civilian shooting? Right. All, if you look at them, like I said before, those 13 reference points were, were taken from Jim. military data. The first one, I think the reference was Bellamy's data in Vietnam, which there wasn't uh, a lot of the body armor that wasn't in there, but it was a completely different circumstance. But Again, I, though, well, if you're a cop and you catch around in your arm or your leg and you don't have a, a proven limb tourniquet, you, you, within reach on your gum belt or, or someplace where you. you can get You're to wrong, it it's man. on you you're wrong right. you're wrong and that's going to happen and it does happen and you need to be prepared for it and those exsanguinating limb injuries are going to occur and uh, they're going to occur in uh, liquor store holdups and they're going to occur car in car accidents they're going to occur in other places and we need to be prepared to deal with it and i really yeah. think stop the bleed should be more of a moniker not for these these public access type of situations but it should be a hit to FD, EMS, and law enforcement that you should be able to stop the bleed no matter what the circumstances is, right. not specific whatsoever to an active shooter event. Right. Uh, you know, to the to the instance that just happened in South Carolina last year, man, where 
patrol rolled up and it was an older lady that just had her lower arm uh, from the elbow down bit off by a, a dog by a pit bull and it was attached to her leg and cop came out shot the dog dead put a tourniquet on the arm and saved her life um that's that's everyday type stuff right um, that's a good day for that cop that that bad day for the lady but holy shit that's a, that's a good shift and but you know at the same time when we look at the original question to take us back from my my straight voltage there is first care provider the first thing we address in there is stopping the bleed mm-hmm. right because that that is paramount if it exists you need to address it and it's so then, it, fruit. And then yes. it continues on down the list of other things that statistically looking at that paper are much more relevant than a tourniquet application uh that occurs in these events from right. chest trauma and things like this and, and obviously the last point that's in that is we're going to find that the preventable causes of death in the civilian application for active shooters is a much less percentage than what we found in the military, and that's obvious because of what we've been talking about. Right. Since I now know you're going to bust this up into two parts, and uh, you know the the meeting preview is going to be one, or this generalized discussion is going to be another one, I'd like to talk about myself for a little longer. Oh my gosh, you remind me of somebody. Yeah, somebody. Uh, Man, you know, uh, my agency, I'm, I'm willing to bet, is a lot like your agency, who's ever listening to this. Oh, and that, now that is relevant. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> about 80% of our work in my fire department is EMS work. And of that EMS work, about 80% of our EMS calls are BS. medicine calls. <laughs> yeah, probably BS. But our, uh, <laughs> you left the L out. Yeah. Uh, uh, our medicine calls. You know, uh, fortunately, I, I work in a place that doesn't have that much trauma. But of the trauma we get, it's weird how statistics work. Again, about 80% of our trauma calls are blunt force trauma. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, you know, figure out what that is. That's MVCs and falls is the large, large majority of blunt force trauma. If you're rolling out any kind of first care provider training to your citizens, if you're doing public trauma first aid classes to go with your deployment of public trauma first aid kits and you're not helping those citizens prepare themselves for dealing with blunt force trauma you're selling them short man they're, they're going to be running you know they're going to be running into blunt trauma injuries right. so uh, what I'm not telling you to ignore all of the good shit that applies to penetrating trauma what I'm saying is that you need to make sure that you address what they statistically are going to need and you need to give them some answers about where um Spinal immobilization may fit into the priority of things. It's always going to come after massive hemorrhage. It's always going to come after opening an airway. It's always going to come after, in my opinion, coming after keeping your casualty warm. But it's got to be addressed somehow because your your students in this, these classes are going to be looking at you going, well, am I supposed to, to, to lay them down? Am I supposed to uh, pull on their neck? Am I supposed to, what am I supposed to do? You better ask some answers for them because that's what they're going to be facing. And I think the... the to kind of wind this down a little bit too is is we've been talking about TECC specifically and stop the bleed and all this other stuff is is it's all focused towards the active shooter event because that's really the hot topic that's in there it's the it's the terrorism event that we're able to turn on TV every few days and see something somewhere in the world where this is going on or the active shooter event in, uh, here in the United States yet remember that TECC is actually an all hazards Right. Guideline. Right. right. Uh, it seems like a lot of the focus, though, has been, you know, whether it's dealing with DHS initiatives or this or that within the active shooter. But realize that if you are a, uh, a SAR medic, you are an urban search and rescue medic, you're a wilderness uh, medic, that these same principles 
are, are there and that threat base does not have to be somebody with a gun. That threat can be a secondary collapse uh, after an earthquake for the USAR guy. It can be uh, the potential for uh, difficult rock fall uh, evacuation in a canyon mm -hmm. uh, in Utah. It can be a multitude of those things. And when we say tactical, you know, that is a tactical decision making thing. It's not tactical with. Um, Mark Anderson in some sort of black leotard and uh, a line between his boots with a balaclava jumping out like a ninja with his smoke bombs. It's it's potentially, which actually just happened earlier. Brendan and I watched. I'm that. actually it wearing my black leotard right which, now, <laughs> which is uh, black as a thinning color uh, for you. <laughs> and um, but when we look at that, it, it's a tactical decision. So you know, you look at FDIC for those firemen out there, and how many classes do you have? That's a tactical decision making there's a quite a few you know and it's, it comes down to a tactical decision of where you park your ambulance or fire truck at an mvc to protect the crew um where you're coming in on a multi-alarm fire where you're catching a, a hydrant from and those are tactical decisions in the same way that tactical is meant in the tecc guidelines is is giving thought making an informed decision on how you roll your right. your assets exactly mark you're looking at freaking backpacks and the internet, really. No, no, actually, no, I'm, I'm, I'm scanning for other stuff. I'm, scanning I'm for just stuff. playing with you. Brennan, anything? No, I think we covered a lot today. All right, uh, so uh, go ahead. Just the last thing I want to leave is kind of reiterate what, what Mark was saying. Get involved. If you're out there uh, and have an interest in this or you have um, some type of specialty in any of the working groups that we mentioned earlier, please, we'd love to have you. Uh, reach out to the committee. If you can make the meeting on Monday, great. If not... You know, send the organization an email, and we'll get you involved. We'll probably be um, uh, our our fall meetings or early winter meetings usually happen sometime uh, uh, early November. Uh, occasionally, we push it into early December, but uh, you know we try and keep it clear of the holidays. But wherever that's going to be, we will uh, post it up. We'll let you know, and uh, uh, it's it's a good opportunity to meet some people. It's a good opportunity to exchange ideas. It's a good on. You know, opportunity to drink some beer with some uh, some dedicated folks so so come out and help out uh, the, the product will be better by your participation alright we appreciate it man so this hour and a half deal that will break into two parts has been brought to you by Bold Rock Hard Cider Apple and uh, what do you got there Sweetwater Ale Extra Pale Ale uh, so uh, that being said if you have any questions, hit us up. You can hit us up at info at Element. Uh, definitely hit C-Tech uh, up at the info uh, link on the website also. And we appreciate it. Talk to you. Bye. Later.